0: family, welcome back. This is episode number 10 of our What's Inside the Box podcast, a show on all things running related. On this week's episode, we connect with who I believe to be one of the most interesting and forward-thinking individuals in the run specialty industry, Scott Gravat of CLE. Scott has a long history in the run specialty channel. Prior to his tenure at CLE, where he is the head of US and Canadian sales. Scott spent close to 15 years at Nike, nine working in Nike skateboarding, followed by six years in Nike running. In this hour-long conversation, we chat about the decade he spent working and managing one of the largest surf and skate shops on the East Coast. His time spent hiking the Pacific Crest Trail, which for those that don't know is 2,653 miles the Mexico-US border all the way to Canada, his time at Nike, his passion for the specialty channel, his current experiences at Cieli, and much more. As you'll hear in our conversation, Scott is extremely passionate about small, independently owned brick-and-mortar retailers and their greater impact as a whole. He is an authentic and passionate individual who continues to stress the importance of locally owned businesses, regardless of the brand that he works for. This one was a lot of fun for me. Personally, I was very excited to sit down and chat with Scott, as he was one of the individuals that first came to mind to connect with when we launched the podcast. I hope you enjoy this conversation just as much as I did. So without further ado, Scott Gravat of CLE. Alrighty, runner side fam. Uh, thanks for joining us. We are here with, um, Scott Gravatt, AKA gravy. Is that uh, what we can formally call you?
1: That, that works. Yeah. That's a formal yep.
0: title. Uh, yeah. so Scott is the, uh, head of us sales and ca- Canadian sales for CLE. So Scott, thanks so much for giving us a, a bit of your time this afternoon. Really appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Really, really stoked to be here. Big fan.
0: Yeah. No, thank you. Um, so I'm super excited to introduce you or introduce our community uh to you um yeah I think ever since like we crossed paths in i think twenty twenty um like great right pre pandemic uh yeah. was when we kind of first you know met each other virtually um yep. uh you know in my opinion you're one of the um you know most forward thinking individuals in our uh industry um so i'm super stoked to kind of sit down and chat with you um so I I yeah yeah yeah
2: right
0: <laughs> well i mean it was it was i think our first interaction it was just very intriguing because um it was like right around the time i mean we'll get into like nike in, in your history there and stuff like that it was right around the time invincible launched and yeah. um know yeah, we had connected and it's one of those things where i think the perspective potentially from the outside is that you know we couldn't Maybe directly communicate with some of the people that were decision makers in you know a, a company like a Nike or you know <laughs> other other vendors that we um, deal with, and it was just like, nah man, like let's just jump on a Zoom." And like I'm like, "All right," so I'm sitting here with like yep. the, the guy at Nike running. It was it's pretty rad, you know. So yeah. I appreciate the openness. Um, but so let's uh, again, I always kind of try to start these conversations with like an origin point, um, you know, and for you. I know your background, like, didn't start, you know, in running um, until, right. you know, kind of mid-30s or, or so. Uh, done a little research, you know, done, did my due diligence before we jumped on. You mm-hmm. um, check my ultra sign-up results? Exactly. Yeah. No, no, no. no, no. I wasn't, <laughs> wasn't digging. I don't even know what some of those times would mean. That's just a race <laughs> of survival, a lot of that stuff. But, um, but yeah, let's ch- chat a little bit about your background and, yeah. you know, growing up and what, what kind of sports and stuff you were in, and, and we'll kind of go from there.
1: Yeah, That. that is... Actually, the Oregon story. Mm-hmm. Um, home for me is and always will be Miami, Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, and I grew up in a in what you would when you close your eyes and you think of a big urban Miami, Florida environment. That's a, you're right. Mm-hmm. That's exactly how I grew up. My high school was forty five hundred kids mm-hmm. and had you know twelve foot chain link fences and mm-hmm. its own police force. Oh wow! Yeah, um, yeah. And as such, we had. We had high school kids going straight to the NFL mm-hmm. and straight to the NBA, right? Mm-hmm. Um, straight to like D-League NBA teams, skipping college completely mm. and tons and tons of recruits. Um, I couldn't make a single solitary sports team.
0: Sure. Yeah, yeah.
1: I look exactly what you think I look like. I look like a tall skinny distance runner.
0: Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: They had no cross country team. Yeah. It was all track and field. Mm-hmm. And it was all sprints. Mm-hmm. and everybody's quad was the size of my waist. Right, so I right. made <laughs> zero teams whatsoever mm-hmm. and pretty quickly fell out of traditional sports and fell into skateboarding. Mm-hmm. Um, And skateboarding and surfing in that world taught me all of my values and, and basically raised me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I would say that that was kind of like, that's my origin story of, of high school sports was actually surfing and skateboarding and, and a whole heck of a lot of traveling for both, to be honest.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? um, so you said you kind of looked like a distance runner, but you weren't necessarily a distance runner at the time. Like, How did, right. how did you ultimately find running, or how did running find you, I should say?
1: Yeah, running found me when I was, um, I think it was 2017, might mm-hmm. have been 2016. I was reading an article in the Miami Herald, about a 100 mile race mm-hmm. that goes through the Florida Keys.
2: Mm.
1: It was a relay race, like, you know, like could to coast for the speed project. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was the first year they were allowing people to do it by themselves.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I thought to myself, I know that road it's, if you've ever been there, it's one road, mm-hmm. it's a two lane highway and it's hundred miles long and it goes all the way to key West from Miami. And I said, I know that road and I know that in May, and I thought that's not possible. Right, right, right. Is that possible? Right. <laughs> and then there I am down the rabbit hole of the internet yeah. of hundred mile races, and it was like twenty minutes later I had my credit card out.
0: Yeah, ready to go. I never
1: run an entire step in my life. I would never owned a pair of running shoes, and I was like, "I'm gonna try this." Yeah, didn't know how, what I was doing.
0: How how uh, how far away was that from race day?
1: Uh, it was about four and a half months. Okay,
0: so you went from yeah. zero to a, literally zero to a hundred, real quick.
2: Right, right, right.
1: Yep. <laughs> my 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 very first training run ever. I went to uh, I went to the Nike website and ordered a pair of shoes, and I had no idea what I was ordering. Obviously, my very first training run was 13 and a half miles in a pair of Air Max ones. Okay. So I got off to a really bad start. Yeah,
0: it was only up from there at that at that point. Yeah, yeah. From there you can only go up. You know. Oh man, had that race end up playing out or what? <laughs> Uh, I was
1: unconscious at mile eighty-eight. At mile eighty-eight, yeah. <laughs> I mean that's
0: damn—that's damn far to make from not, you know. Uh,
1: at Mile eighty-one, I—I I wanted to drop out of the race, and my my team uh, had convinced me to just go an extra mile. Yeah. And they were a ragtag team. None of them were runners either. They were fully ragtag, and they had—they were like five Coronas deep by then anyway. Mm-hmm. And uh, they all fell asleep in the van. And that one mile turned into four miles, turned into six miles. And then I don't really quite remember what happened, but I had fallen and hit my head.
0: Oh, my gosh. And I,
1: was, and I was either sleeping or like semi-conscious on the side of the road. And they found me and they picked me up and they were like, hey, this race is over. And I was like, yeah, we're good. Yeah. So, For, <laughs> How, that, uh, for, for the record, I went back um, eight or nine years later and yeah. crushed it. After I, had I learned a little bit more about running along the way, and you know, I went back and I was like, "Oh, I'm doing this in 24 hours, compeller High Water." Yeah, and, and we did it in under 24 hours. It was rad.
0: That's unreal. I was going to ask how how soon after uh, that experience was it that you signed up for for another race? Let alone the same. Let alone the same race.
1: Pretty quickly, but I never yeah. tackled that hundred miles again. Okay. Un- until until eight or nine until. years later, when I went back to that exact same race, it was very okay. sentimental for me. I wanted to. I wanted to learn about running and I wanted to get into that world and experience it and, and get a lot more experience. And I didn't want to do another hundred mile race. Mm-hmm. I wanted to go back to that one. Sure. And like finish what I started.
0: Right. Like unfinished business. Mm-hmm. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. I, you know, I ended up, um, ended up racing one year, every distance mm-hmm. from one mile to a hundred K. Yeah. And then I felt like I was ready to go back and tackle that hundred mile race afterwards. Okay.
0: That's wild. That's, that's wild. Um, so let's kind of rewind a little bit uh, in terms of your relationship with you know, uh, retail and the industry and everything like that. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, you grew up skating and, and surfing. Um, from a retail perspective, it sounds like that's kind of where you, where you had started yeah. as well, right? Let's chat I, a little uh, bit about, about that experience for you.
1: I grew up in a surf shop. Mm-hmm. Um, literally grew up in a surf shop. Didn't really have necessarily a like a father figure in my life just like Mm -hmm. a single mom big urban environment and um i wandered into the surf shop one day and i i asked the owner of the surf shop for a bar of wax and i didn't have any money Mm -hmm. and he made me work for an hour Mm -hmm. and then gave me the bar of wax you know and that was the relation that turned into like a mentoring relationship and a father Mm -hmm. figure relationship and what it means to work in a surf shop and in that environment and you fast forward I was out of college and in graduate school mm-hmm. and he called me to run the store. Mm-hmm. He said, Hey, I want to move my family to Africa and I want you to run the surf shop. And while I'm gone and it was super fun. So I came all the way back and came full circle
2: mm-hmm. after
1: college and went back into the surf shop. And within six months, his wife had called me and there were like three of us running the shop at that time. His wife had called us and said he died surfing. Oh, wow. Like." best friend mentor Mm -hmm. never saw him again and um, she worked out a deal to where if we could maintain the surf shop she would kind of overpay us and give us benefits and Mm -hmm. then when the kids were old enough to come back and take the surf shop Mm
2: -hmm.
1: we had to give it back to them Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: hopefully they wanted it Mm
2: -hmm. so it
1: was kind of like this 10-year plan where we all ran the shop and did the buying and and you know created the sales and and when the kids were old enough they wanted the surf shop and they came back and they took it and they're absolutely crushing it today
0: oh wow so it's still still up and rocking and everything
1: it's the i mean i think you could ask anyone and they would say it's the best surf shop on the east coast of the united states maybe top three in the whole country yeah it's fantastic oh that's awesome but but to your point i learned everything i know about life Mm -hmm. at that retail surf shop Mm mm-hmm And that was all of my lessons. And that was all of my, that was, that was me cutting my teeth and growing up and learning all about learning all the things like, you know, like working hard and, and all the retail math that I needed and just customer service and caring and all of that stuff Mm -hmm. from front to end, buying products and reselling them and discounts and managing a skateboard team and like all that Mm -hmm. stuff is all combined into my world. Um, And that's, that's kind of where I cut my teeth. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's so wild. I mean, it's, and I think, you know, you had mentioned it, um, and that's when it kind of clicked for me. Um, was that you know running specialty is really not any different than skate shops and surf shops. You know, it's cannot. it's it's almost the exact same thing and the exact same experience. Especially, you're saying you're putting together you know a skate team and yeah. you know with running clubs and running team. It's like it's the same kind of business model. It's it's wild. It,
1: um, it is the it is the exact. I mean, the parallels are amazing,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I could I could I could talk to that for for an entire hour. The parallels between those we got two things, right? We got time. You, you've got like <laughs> independent. You've got your independent surf and skate shops, mm-hmm. and then you have like your your chain mm-hmm. surf and skate shops, mm-hmm. and then you have like your big box mm-hmm. surf and skate yep. shops. All at the same, time. and it's the exact same thing in running, and mm-hmm. they all kind of have their place, mm-hmm. right? Some of them are literally just distribution of products. Mm-hmm. And then some of them, the best ones and the small independent ones are really, they're creating an entire culture mm. around, around a sport.
2: Mm-hmm. And it's
1: more, it's more than just running or more than just surfing. It's, is a third place to go. It's like a coffee shop. Mm-hmm. How many times do people come into runners high and just talk shop?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: They just talk, they're not going to buy anything today. Mm-hmm. They're just talking yeah. times. They're just talking about their latest workout or the long run or the race that they just ran or what they signed up for. Or they want to. They want to show you this bib, or they want to hold fourteen different pairs of shoes and buy nothing.
0: Right, 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 right. Yeah,
1: that, that's a surf shop.
0: Sure. Yeah.
1: You you walk in, you talk about the waves, you talk about where it's firing, where it's yeah. not. You look at seventeen different boards, and then you give a high five and and you walk out. Right, right, right. That's, a lot of <laughs> yeah. times, that's just what happens. It's, sure. It's kind yeah. of exactly the same. Yeah. You know, it, it really
0: is. So that's yeah, that's so wild. Um, yeah. So, you know, you spent it was a, about a dec uh, about decade there. How yeah. long were you? It was
1: it was about a decade that mm. I was at that surf shop. Yeah.
0: Uh-huh. yeah. And then after that, you kind of, you know, uh, you you moved into your position with with Nike with skate, correct? So how did, I how, did, did. how did that all yeah. kind of come about? Where did the pieces kind of fall into place there?
1: Um, my skateboarding background was like nineteen late eighties.
2: Okay.
1: And um. When you skateboard, your shoes tear up pretty fast. you're, you're mm-hmm. basically going through pairs of shoes every week and I was wearing Chuck Taylor's and I was going through them every single week and I had gone to the flea market and it was 1988 and it was the year that Michael Jordan in 87 Nike released the Air Jordans
2: mm-hmm.
1: and Michael Jordan wasn't allowed to wear them on the court mm-hmm. so they didn't sell mm-hmm. and they ended up at flea markets.
2: Mm-hmm. so
1: I went into the into the flea markets and there were these Air Jordan Nike high top basketball shoes that lasted forever. Mm-hmm. So I bought the Air Jordans, one was red and one was blue, but they were both size 10. Like right, that. Right, right. And, uh, and I skated them that entire summer. And that was very, a very nostalgic time for me in mm-hmm. skateboarding. So you fast forward to me being at the surf shop and the Nike team comes in and they're like, Hey, do you want to carry Nike skateboarding in the surf shop?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I was like, yeah,
2: mm-hmm. I
1: do actually. Because I immediately had this nostalgic feeling of what Nike mm. skateboarding was, and they said, "All right, well, maybe we'll come back." Wait, what? You said yes,
2: right, right, right? <laughs> and I said,
1: "I said yeah," and they were like, "Wow, you're one of the first. Yeah, and I was like, "No, man, I get it. Sign me up." Sure. So I became I I became a Nike retailer at that surf shop. We had like a it was halfway surfing and halfway skateboarding. Mm-hmm. Um, became a Nike retailer at surf shop and got to know that team, that early Nike SB team. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when the kids came back to own the surf shop again and Mm. hand the keys over, it was a very natural transition. Hmm. Um, I called the Nike team or they called me. I can't really remember Mm -hmm. what happened. Um, And I got my first job at Nike.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, it,
0: it must have been interesting for them at that time because, yeah, I mean... The, the origin story of, of Nike is obviously running, right, where then right. kind of breaking into all of these other different sports, um, they were almost playing catch-up, you know, to some extent with a lot of the other yeah. sports, but I would think, too, it was probably a real challenge initially to break into, like like you had said, like they almost walked out anticipating a no because yeah. I think I mean, that culture, much like running, like if you're not authentic or genuine like you get right. sniffed out you know relatively quick you know so oh, yeah
1: yeah, 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 and yeah. ostracized and sure. ostracized pretty quick like it's it's a make or break situation and nike had tried to go into skateboarding two or three times okay and absolutely failed mm. absolutely failed and it wasn't until sandy bodeker came along and uh decided that he wanted to get his idea to get into nike skateboarding was very culture driven Mm -hmm. get into the culture of skateboarding and care about it deeply Mm -hmm. and the way that you get into the culture is through the retailers Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and that's where he and i clicked because i had Mm -hmm. grown up in a surf shop if you come to south florida to surf i'm your first stop Mm -hmm. you don't you would never dream of paddling out at the Deerfield pier, unless you walked into the surf shop first, mm-hmm. right? It's just, you're just not allowed. Like we controlled the scene. We set the culture. Mm-hmm. We told you where to eat your tacos, right, we right, told right. You what we told you, what, what music you were going to listen to, mm-hmm. what coffee shop you were going to go to and and what brands and clothes you were going to wear. Mm-hmm. And skateboard shops are the same.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They, they run and they own the culture of skateboarding in their towns. And you can even associate those towns with those skateboard retailers, Mm -hmm. right? So you have like the skate park of Tampa controls the culture of basically Florida and sometimes even the East coast. Mm. Um, so the way to get into that culture is to sell products to the skate park of Tampa and the way to do that is to, is to help them make money and to deeply care about their small business, um, and to help them win Mm -hmm. and to care and Mm -hmm. get them on your side. And it's just like a running store, right? you know, if you walked in with a pair of like whatever it was and you were, you were yeah. dressed wrong for that world and that culture, you were going to get clowned. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you were going to get, you were going to get a, a new pair of shoes pretty quickly. So for to have those retailers, mm-hmm. that network network of retailers to say, Nike skateboarding is real and mm-hmm. true and authentic and they care. And have you met Scott mm-hmm. and have you met Sandy and have you met Darren and have you met right Dugan and mm-hmm. Austin. Um, that was everything yeah that was the key mm-hmm. you know that was the key that unlocked it and it's not like it was a business tactic as much it was just we cared
2: yeah we love yeah.
1: skateboarding shops truly we truly loved them and we love skateboarding culture and we thought it was important
2: mm-hmm. you know
0: yeah I mean I think that's you know and in, in you know my experience with with working with you I mean I think that be, you know not having known your history from you know skate surf um, you know I remember one of the first projects that I think we kind of worked on, um, if I recall correctly, was Streakfly, and yeah. if I'm not mistaken. And it was the launch of Streakfly. And it was right around the time of, well, it was right after, not after pandemic, but it was like early 21. And it, it, you guys had kind of turned the keys over to retailers to kind of create their own content, content for launch. And... You know, we had worked with, you know, Kyle and a bunch of the people at Nike in terms of yourself and um, in terms of budgetary stuff. And, you know, it was just because, you know, Streetcly is a very niche shoe and it's not going to be something where, you know, it's, you know, uh, uh, 10% of your market share or something like that. Right. And I remember um, being a little confused in terms of it was like, hey, here's the budget. And then I'm like looking at the order that we wrote for it, I'm like, this budget <laughs> is like five times the amount of what the order that we wrote the product for. I'm like, something's not adding adding up here. And you know, to your guys' credit, it was it was just, hey, if if the if the the retailer if they run specialty shops and the specialty shops like authenticate the product, mm-hmm. that's like where it has to start. Yeah. You know? And yeah. um that that to me like always hit home um you know and i even think that you know that kind of has it it's still in place today with with mm-hmm. who you know um you know our relationship uh with nike and um, I remember even
1: shout, shout out Zach rivers. Zach. Oh yeah. 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 Zach's killing shout me. Out Zach.
0: Zach and Jer- Jeremy is unbelievable. Uh, yeah. um, Jeremy, bo- both are, both are, uh, a great team that we, that yeah. we have the opportunity and, and we're fortunate to work with. Um, but prior to Zach, I remember Bob being in store. This was years and years ago and you know, he, he just straight up said, you know, cause I, again, I know our place in the world, we're not the biggest account, we're not the smallest account, but Bob is just kind of like, we want to deal with people that are real. And yep. he's like, I don't, not that, not that he did, you know, verbatim was, yeah, I don't care how much you sell, but it was kind of to that extent, you know, in terms right. of like, we just want to partner with people that are real and authentic. Yep. Um, which again has always like stuck with me and, and, uh, And again, I think that just it comes from, you know, you and your personality. And and so to kind of, uh, you know, so you're in Nike SB, you know. um, So your transition from skateboarding into like the run specialty kind of division. How how did that work and how did that look?
1: And so this is like this is this is some serious Nike lore. Right yeah. here that yeah, yeah. we're about to get into, so uh, all all of the Nike heads are about to get a story because this is a good one. Um, I was in Nike skateboarding, and I had found running. Right, so I'd I'd run a hundred miles, and I was I was into running, and I, and I loved it. We had moved to Nike had moved me to Portland, Oregon, from Miami. Mm-hmm. I was living in Portland, Oregon, and my son walked onto the the high school cross-country team as a freshman and he was an outstanding freshman it was that was the year that we took we took five kids to hayward field five freshmen and they all ran in the freshman 3k it was a nine-person race Mm. and all five of them were at lincoln high school my son was one of them so i was into Mm. running i was i was a volunteer and an assistant coach at the school and i was just falling in love with running i was still doing the nike skateboarding job Mm -hmm. and i went to my local running store to buy something and I forgot what it was and, mm. and they weren't carrying Nike. Mm. And I was like, what's why aren't they carrying Nike? I don't understand. And this All is like boss, in I, Port- in Portland, you know, like Portland, Oregon. Yeah. It's like backyard. Yeah. 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 I dug into it a little more and I was like, wow, they're doing it. They're kind of doing it wrong.
2: Mm. <laughs> like mm-hmm.
1: we should be treating it like skateboarding. Mm-hmm. You should be treating it like surfing. Like those independent retailers are like, they're the authenticators mm-hmm. they, they they validate your brand or not if, if you can't buy a pair of nike cross-country spikes at foot traffic
2: mm-hmm.
1: that's insane in my mind like that means mm-hmm. nike's not even on the map somehow so i went to my boss and said hey i want that job and he said no way
2: mm-hmm.
1: you can't have that job like that job is reserved for like the the ladder climbers at Nike that are going to mm-hmm. go on to like big, big, big jobs. And I didn't want to take no for an answer. I really wanted mm-hmm. the job. So I went to the, the head of Nike running at the time. said, I don't want this job. And she said, no, mm-hmm. you can't have it. You have to ask so-and-so. So I I went up to like the VP level mm-hmm. at Nike. Mm-hmm. And they were like, we can't give you this job. Mm-hmm. And I just got so frustrated like, man, it was was frustrating because I had the answers Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. and I
1: I wanted to see Nike succeed at at a store like runner's high or foot traffic. And I I knew exactly what the answer was and no one was going to give me the chance to do it. So the, the book shoe dog had, had come out Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and I was, I had read shoe dog and the person that fascinated me the most was Jeff Johnson.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And he was at Nike. We all have employee numbers. Mm -hmm. I was one two Oh two, two, three. Jeff Johnson is one.
2: Mm, It's wild.
1: Literally number one. He was the first employee and he sold running shoes out of the back of his car in Southern California. Mm. And he would go to tracks, high school tracks and sell them. And he literally sold everything out of the back of his car and at trade shows and in boxes. He bought this stuff first and he got tired of people knocking on his apartment to buy shoes. (laughs) So he went downstairs to a vacuum cleaner store or whatever it was at the time and it had emptied out and he leased it. And he opened up a store. Mm-hmm. And it was the first ever running specialty store.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Ever. Mm-hmm. No one had ever done this before. And he had modeled it off the surf shops in the area.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: True story. Told me himself. Mm-hmm. So I heard I was reading Shoe Dog and I heard this whole story and I was like, Man, where's that guy today? That's where." rad. He was very fond of writing like these long pages to Phil Knight
2: mm-hmm. about
1: what Phil was doing wrong and how he was messing everything up mm-hmm. and like pff- because Phil wouldn't return his phone call, so he would just mail him off. Okay. So I, I got this idea, and I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I went to a thrift store. I bought a typewriter,
2: mm-hmm. and I
1: wrote Jeff Johnson like a seven-page letter. Mm-hmm. Everything about what Nike was doing wrong and running, blah, blah, blah. And I finished it with my email address and my phone number and said, I want the job. Mm-hmm. I want Jeff Johnson's job at Nike, and they won't give it to me.
2: Mm-hmm. Can I
1: come talk to you about it? And I fired it off to him. He was living in New Hampshire in a barn at the time. And he mm. emailed me back. And he was like, Hey Scott, great letter. Come see me anytime you want, bring beer.
2: <laughs> and he gave me
1: his address. Yeah. And I was like, yo, I'm doing this. Yeah. So yeah, I, yeah. I got on an airplane. I flew to Boston. I drove to New Hampshire. I knocked on his front door. Out of nowhere. And he opened right. the door and he just looked at me. And he said, Are you are you Scott? <laughs> and I said, I said, Yes, sir, I am. <laughs> He thought for a second and he said, did you bring beer? (laughs) And I said, I did. Oh, my God. We went inside and we spent a couple of days basically building a master plan Mm -hmm. for Nike running to turn into Nike skateboarding. Mm -hmm. And he said I could have the job. He Mm -hmm. hasn't worked at Nike in 40 years, right? Whatever. He said I could have the job. And I said, all right. And I went back to that same room of VPs. And I said, hey, here's my deck. Jeff Johnson gave me the job. Mm. And they looked at me like I was out of my mind. And I said, "No." And I picked up the speakerphone, and I called <laughs> Jeff Johnson. And they were like, "Hello," and he's like, "Hi." <laughs> and they were like, "Is this Jeff Johnson?" And he says, "Yep, this is employee number one. I want you to give that kid that job." Oh my gosh! Yeah, so yeah. And it, yeah, I mean, it didn't. I'm not sure if a 100 of those details are true, right? Like, <laughs> I got like 99.9 percent of the details true in that yeah. story for sure. I mean, it was a it was it's an epic story, night. Yeah. Um, and they gave me the job.
0: That is wild.
1: They did, they gave me the job and I and I set about this seven year, eight year saga of walking the halls at Nike, telling everybody how important small independent running stores are
2: mm-hmm.
1: that do like twenty thousand dollars in business.
2: Sure. Yeah. And,
1: and 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 how important they are to running culture mm-hmm. and how important they are to the culture of their towns, mm-hmm. and how if you give Craig a budget for the street Fly – that's even more than street flies that he bought.
2: Mm-hmm. Right, right.
1: They're gonna blow up the brand on Instagram, mm-hmm. and it's going to be authentic because it's coming from the mouth of Craig. Mm-hmm. You can't authenticate yourself mm-hmm. if you walk around and say I'm cool. That's the definition of not cool.
0: Right, right, right. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yep. If Craig walks around and says gravy's cool, that mm-hmm. is the definition of cool. Like that's how it works. You can't mm-hmm. authenticate yourself, and uh, that was that was an eight year. I'll call it Sisyphean mm-hmm. task of mine at Nike yeah. pushing that rock up that hill, putting small independent retailers in the spotlight.
2: Yeah. You know? Well,
0: yeah. I mean, we we very much thank you for it. You know, the effort is uh, it still continues. You know, yeah. so your yeah. your your efforts aren't for aren't for, uh, for not. You know, um, yeah. and you know, I, I tell us to Zach and Jeremy all the time that. They're, you know, um, you know, try not to play biases, especially publicly here, but, you know, one of, if not the best team to, to work with. So, um, you know, but, uh, but yeah, no, it, uh, And, and,
1: and we could, we could probably have a whole entire podcast about Bob McClurg.
0: Right, right, right. We should get Bob. We should get Bob on here at some point. There's no way. Get him There's a couple. No I, know, I know, I know. Get him a couple of beers or something. And oh my yeah. gosh, so, a couple of macro beers. Yeah, right. Yeah, um So yeah, I mean, let's. uh you know, We've talked a lot about like your history and everything like that, but yeah. let's let's kind of talk about where you're at now and um you know uh, and what the kind of future looks like. Um, so you know for yourself uh i was super stoked when i saw the news that um you know cle you know picked you up i, I thought it's yeah. an absolute home run i texted alex almost immediately and i was just like this is unbelievable um yeah you know so for those that i begged for, I, I yeah. begged for that job too by the way did you right? we could get into it that didn't story exist. The, that did, job didn't exist you, just, you yeah. just made it up out of thin air. <laughs> <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, You know, so for those that uh, maybe listening that don't know, um, you know, the brand itself. um, Actually, you know what? Scott, I'll let let you explain the
1: brand (laughs) instead of me. Yeah, Um, Jeremy and Mike were basically skateboarders Mm -hmm. that got into running and could not find a quality hat Mm -hmm. to wear while running. um, And built the brand from scratch um, based out of Montreal. Mm -hmm. canada canadian brand um montreal is well known for its little garment industry which was Mm -hmm. the world's biggest at one time um and jeremy and mike both have deep 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 backgrounds in design Mm -hmm. specifically in technical design and outerwear um so they built cla with an eye towards technical design and comfort um and that's how the brand started Mm -hmm. as as a a cat brand Mm -hmm. um And since then it's become a whole bunch of different things along the way um it's i think it might be one of the only certified b corps Mm -hmm. in our industry or or very few certified b corps in our industry Um, and recycled materials and upcycled materials and fair trade and b corp and running a corporation like that is the most important thing to them Mm -hmm. um and now cla to this day makes undeniably the best running hat the, Mm -hmm. the world's ever seen but there's also up, apparel coming and elite mm-hmm. apparel coming and everyday running apparel and all that stuff with an eye towards technical design. So, really, really, really fantastic people. A very small team. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's 25 people total, mm-hmm. and I think 22 of them live in Montreal. Okay, yeah, yeah, right. So, um, yeah, and that's that's a that's the uh, that's the top line right there mm-hmm. of CLA Well, let um...
0: you yeah, know it's actually interesting that you know, I think the, the, the brand found you and you found the brand. Cause I feel like it's a very symbiotic relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so maybe let's chat a little bit about kind of like the culture, you know, at CLE and, you know, how it, um, almost like fits in and meshes with like your overall approach and kind of passion from a independent, you know, retailer perspective. Um, yeah. you know, I know in talking with Alex, it's like, they've almost taken the opposite approach as many other vendors have in terms of like, I remember when I got my first hat, my wife had bought me actually two and I can't, I mean, now they look really dated. I still have like one or two of them. They're like really, really old school. They're probably, if I had to guess, maybe seven or eight years old, maybe Uh, at this point. I see them when you're done. Like the logo and stuff's peeled off and everything. Alex is like, you could probably get them to replace that. I'm like, dude, I'm like, don't, but, um, But it's almost like they went. It's got a
1: million miles guarantee. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't. Uh, You probably went a million miles by. uh, Yeah. Easily. Easily. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I I wish. Um, (laughs) But uh, but it was almost like they went DTC first, and then are now more focused on, you know. But you know, let's kind of chat a little bit about kind of that culture that they have there.
1: Yeah. Um, man, it's gonna be. It's it's really hard to to explain the culture and the style of CLA and the way that CLA works without comparing it to something the size of Nike. Mm-hmm. All those comparisons that you're thinking about right now are true. Mm-hmm. We at, at Nike, it would take weeks and weeks and weeks to get one idea mm-hmm. of a kernel into the right person's hand to get it executed 18 months down the line.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right there's, there's pros and cons to that world. Um, in the CLA world, it's a Wednesday call, and it's a Thursday action plan. Mm-hmm of what we think is of what we think is right, mm-hmm. what we think is right for the world. Um, the other thing that I that I really enjoy about CLA is it's it's a running brand. Mm-hmm. Like if you do a if you do a Venn diagram, it would be something CLA sits right in the middle of a three way circle that is running outdoors. And then what we'll call like lifestyle mm-hmm. for lack of a better term. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but still 99% of it is running. Mm-hmm. And they're about running culture,
2: mm.
1: and that was that was the big thing for me because when I was at the skate, sh- when I was at the surf shop, it really was selling products under the influence of of the culture of surfing, mm-hmm. not necessarily like this superiority of this or that, or it really was who was invested in the culture the most
2: mm-hmm. and who
1: was true and who was really authentic. And CLA is very authentic to the culture of running,
2: mm.
1: right? They, they love to run. Um, the whole team runs. Everybody's about it. Everyone's talking about it all the time. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's it's a radically different world when you don't also have to focus on LeBron.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm a big LeBron fan, by the way. Sure. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> when you don't have to focus on Serena or Tiger or any of those things or, mm-hmm. or even, to an extent, Travis Scott.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. You just have you have one thing that you can do and you can execute it at the highest level. Mm -hmm. Um, That's the culture at CLE. And then the the other part of the the way that I would describe the culture at CLE is progressive, Mm. very progressive, Mm -hmm. not just in running and in running culture, but in the world. Mm -hmm. Right. Like it's very, very important what's happening in our world right now, both politically and socially and, and economically and environmentally there's a way that you can structure a corporation and a team to push all of that forward
2: mm.
1: and not backwards. And CLA's have found a way to do that almost every single rock that I turn over. Mm-hmm. And that's what, to be honest, that's what I was looking for, Craig. Like yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: When I went to look for my next job, that was like high in my list. I had a whole bunch of things that I really wanted to accomplish and mm-hmm. where I wanted to go. And those things are super high on my list. And I didn't think I was going to end up in the running world mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. I thought I was going to end up in the outdoor industry because mm-hmm. a lot of those brands are doing that, right? Mm. I didn't think I was going to end up in running. And then I remember about I thought about CLA and I was like, oh man, I definitely need to like actually make that happen and sure. yeah, give yeah, them yeah. a phone call again and see what's happening over there. You mm-hmm. know? So yeah, um, fantastic yeah. culture, fantastic people.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think again, speaking from an outsider, but to someone that knows you a little bit, in terms of like your personality, like I think being in a situation where, again, like you said, like it's very hands-on in terms of, oh, you have a call on Wednesday, you can make decisions and put an action plan in place on Thursday. Like, I think for you, that's like the best situation to to be yeah. in, you know? It, it um, totally is, and I think that's kind of what you know I always talk to our staff or things like that I feel like that's what I like about our world too like in in our size of business because it's like I don't need to like run anything up you know again like you said there are advantages you know and disadvantages but like now like we have an idea or like a staff member has an idea it's like let's try it tomorrow yeah as opposed to like let's wait you know a year or whatever it is but um I mean you kind of touched a little bit upon it but um you know, the tagline at CLE is everybody run, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that kind of mantra. Um, and like, what does that personally mean to you?
1: It's inclusive. Mm -hmm. And I know that's kind of like a buzzword Mm -hmm. these days, but it means that word means something a little bit different to me because I've, I've had it basically my whole life. Mm Mm-hmm. When you look at surfing and skateboarding, it's a little bit exclusive mm. by design. Mm-hmm. If you walk into a skateboard shop and you don't skateboard, you feel a little bit off. Mm-hmm. That's 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 how it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That's kind of the way, that's kind of, that's one of the selling points to it. That's one of the selling points to that subculture. It's like punk rock, mm-hmm. you know? If you go to a punk rock concert and you're not wearing your Doc Martins, right, right, you know right, I mean, right, <laughs> right yeah, <laughs> then like yeah. it's weird. Like you're supposed to feel like that because it it has an exclusivity to it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Running can feel like that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a yeah. barrier to entry, mm-hmm. right? Like you don't know who to ask or what to do, and and to have brands want to include everybody mm-hmm. in that activity or that sport or that culture. Is is pretty special to me. It was always that's always why I liked running. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the exclusive nature of surfing. Like I never really liked the sticker that says surfing sucks. Don't try it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know because I think surfing is super fun mm-hmm. and it's like one wave can change your life and set you on this whole course of adventure and it's really fun. Mm-hmm. So I was always pretty inclusive in my approach to even surfing and skateboarding. I thought everyone should be doing that, right? Mm-hmm. And running um, felt a little exclusive. When I first started at Nike, it felt elite, Mm -hmm. for lack of a better term, especially at that brand. Um, And I always wanted it to be a little more inclusive and a little more welcoming. And I feel like, again, just like surfing, if if you open the door and put your running shoes on, go run 10 minutes down your block in one direction and jog 10 minutes back home, Mm -hmm. do it for a week, it will absolutely 100% change the trajectory of your life. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Yeah. There's just not not enough stuff like that left in the world. Um, you can go from there to anything. Mm-hmm. Right? You, next thing you know, you're you're traveling to Los Angeles, and you're running from Los Angeles to Las Vegas with a team of six people in an sure. RV. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. You can, like yep. it just takes you all kinds of crazy places just by walking out your front door. Ten minutes in one direction, ten minutes in another direction. Mm-hmm. Right, and CLA really encompasses that. It is it is an everybody runs type mm-hmm. brand. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no there's no distribution strategies mm-hmm. per se. We're not going to sell this product here and this product there. And that product. no. I mean, mm-hmm. we make hats for people that run that mm-hmm. if you are going into a running store, they should be carrying CLA products.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very interesting that you kind of bring up the exclusive kind of component to like some of like the niche, like shops, like a skate shop or a surf shop. And then yeah. I think on the flip side from a running perspective, like, I mean, I can't speak to all shops, obviously. Uh, I think sometimes the misperception is that we're exclusive, but I've always been a big, I've been very vocal in terms of like, if we build our store for the elite runner, we would have been closed Yeah. in two months. Maybe not even, you know what I mean? So it's like, and running is such an inclusive sport. Like you take a look at any marathon, any five k, anything like that. There's people of all ages, abilities, heights, weights, you know, yeah. speeds, things like that. So, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely where where I don't know if like I could just go out and do like a kick flip in my driveway or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> but like someone could put on a pair of shoes and go out the door, like you're That's saying. Right. And um, right. I'm not gonna be doing a mick twist anytime soon. Uh, That's so- right.
1: hey. <laughs> Uh, very very low barrier to entry. Yeah, yeah. Pair of running shoes. Mm-hmm. Don't you need a good pair. No, just a pair of running shoes. That's anything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It helps. It helps to have an awesome store down the street like Runners High, mm-hmm. where you can walk in and be like, "Hey, why don't you just show up here Tuesday at six right. p.m. and go, and come jog with us?" Like, sure. That yeah, helps. Yeah. That helps. Right.
0: No, yeah. You know. There's
1: a level of commitment
0: there if if you can yeah. get the people out, but um, so definitely I'm I'm. Interested for the next kind of question that I got for you. You know, I um, want to look a little bit into like the future in terms of, yeah. you know, the run specialty industry as we get kind of rolling into to 2024. Um, you know, if you had kind of like a crystal ball, mm-hmm. you know, how do you feel about this year um, and a little bit beyond it?
1: I think the running specialty industry is poised for resurgence. Mm -hmm. And I see it. We're already shin deep in it, Mm -hmm. if not knee deep or thigh deep, right? Mm -hmm. Um, When you look at other industries, man, I could, there's a million, but I'll just take one, coffee. Mm -hmm. You look at coffee and you go from what it was, right? Folgers Mm -hmm. and Maxwell House Mm -hmm. to coffee shops, to Starbucks, Mm -hmm. all the way down to like, Every single town has their own independent coffee shop slash mm-hmm. roaster. Mm-hmm. Right. That's that's a that's a movement that's happening across every industry.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I can see it clearly from where I sit, right? And for lack of a better term, I call it the anti Amazon.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: There's there's only a place for Amazon in the world. If you don't want to walk out and get that screwdriver down the street, whatever, you can just order it at Amazon, and have it shipped to your house. But that's not satisfying and fulfilling. Mm -hmm. long-term it's very transactional you can get your stuff Mm -hmm. you know like the old veggie tales stuff mart right you (laughs) You can actually get your stuff delivered to your house but it really just feels like it's stuff Mm -hmm. it's commodity it's it's commodity commodity based right um walking into a coffee shop knowing the name of the barista Mm -hmm. knowing where the coffee was sourced from having them make it is worth an extra buck.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Two bucks in my town, Portland, yeah. Oregon. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's worth an extra two bucks because you get a whole experience with it. Mm-hmm. And and the word that I use to describe that is culture.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You get a sense of culture from it. You have friends that you only know because they go to that coffee shop.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So now you have a community and a friend group, right? Mm-hmm. All because it's based around that coffee shop. Running is in that resurgence right now.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right, so we're seeing stores like the Exchange Running Collective, mm-hmm. and um, and we're seeing like Mill City, Saint City, mm-hmm. and we're seeing all of these new, young, the Loop Running Supply, and you know, out in the West Coast, what Victor's doing with Renegade Running mm-hmm. and Runology, North Carolina. Right, we're seeing all of these young entrepreneurs mm-hmm. starting running stores that want to provide a sense of culture. Mm-hmm. I think that's only going up. Mm -hmm. That's only going up. And people respond to that. Mm -hmm. If you go to those stores, none of the people that shop in those stores ever ran. Mm -hmm. They literally create, they're creating runners out of thin air. Mm -hmm. Because people want to be a part of what they have to offer. And it's crazy how oftentimes they're connected to coffee shops.
2: Right. Yeah.
1: Or breweries. Sure. Right? like Because that's part of culture. It's art. It's food. It's music. It's sport. It's everything. Mm -hmm. It's community. It's all wrapped into one. Um, I see another hundred of those stores coming. Yeah, and I'm and I'm welcoming it. Yeah, you look at what you look at what Dan and Justin Mm -hmm. are doing in Boston with the Heartbreakers. Mm -hmm. Right, that's a world. Mm -hmm. That's 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 a subculture out of the subculture. Sure, right, right, right. That's a whole world. You know what I mean? That's a that's Mm -hmm. a rabid fan base like you've never seen. Mm -hmm. But it's still very inclusive. Mm-hmm. And it's very welcoming and it's very awesome. And it's like, that, and that's always my standard. Yeah. It's like, hey, that's what they're doing right there. It's, it's groundbreaking work.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Not just for their town and for the city of Boston, but for America.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? Like, we're the most obese nation in the world.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Period. Full stop. We need more runners high. Mm-hmm. We need more people to give people a sense of culture around sport as mm-hmm. opposed to a sense of culture around watching sports.
2: Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's it's more fun to play basketball than it is to watch it. Mm -hmm. But millions of people watch it. Yeah. I don't care if if running ever becomes a participation sport. Mm -hmm. I mean a a spectator sport. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to say a participator sport. Yeah. Right? And that's one of the things that running stores do. Um, There's no basketball stores. Sure. Yeah, yeah. There's no football stores.
0: Yeah, you know, I mean, I never, it's, yeah, I I never, I never really thought of it from that perspective. Like you don't have that, like the only store that we have around us that I think is a different sport. Like we, um, we have like a big soccer store, soccer post, like they're pretty big. Um, but yeah, it's like, there's no football stores or basketball stores or things like that. It's pretty wild. Never thought about that. Um,
1: and those, those industries will never get to the size, and and they'll never they'll never create that sense of culture mm-hmm. the way that you can get in a running store. So that's like I mean that's the long answer to your question is where do I see the running specialty industry going? Mm-hmm. Is I see it on the upswing. Mm-hmm. I see it as um, young progressive entrepreneurs are going to create fantastic stores that are going to own their city and dictate the culture of running.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Now, kind of. <clears throat> Counter to that, do you see, you know, any headwinds or challenges or, you know, any things that, that you would like to see retailers or vendors do more of?
1: Yeah. If you're, if you're just selling stuff mm-hmm. from a commodity standpoint, mm-hmm. Amazon's going to beat you. Mm-hmm. I mean, the writing's on the wall and I'm not a fan, but right. the writing's on the wall. You can, you can look at every other country in the world. Mm-hmm. And they've had their own version of Amazon for decades. Mm-hmm. It wins. Sh- right, right, right. Amazon wins. This is a free market economy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you can't provide, unless you're providing that sense of culture mm-hmm. and that sense of community, you're just selling stuff. Mm-hmm. That's a big challenge for retailers who have been doing business for 20 and 30 years. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a big mind shift yeah. that they have to make if they want to survive into the next year. hmm or into the next three years or the next five years. Um, because heaven forbid Jeff and Becca come to your town and decide to start a running store based mm-hmm. on culture. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. You know, not, not in the sense of like killing your store, but in the sure. sense of like, it's what the town wants anyway. Mm-hmm. It's what, it's what those people want. And if you're not giving it to them, someone will, someone will come up and give it to them. Right. Um, and, 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 if not for the sense of doing that, you should also be doing it just to beat out other, other activities people could be doing.
2: Sure. Yeah, yeah.
1: Right? Create a sense of culture in your store. Create an, an, an inclusive, welcoming environment so that people watch less Netflix shows. Right, 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 right. Yeah. That's 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 a fair motto and a fair goal that you sure, should right, have. Sure, right, right. We're <laughs> going
0: to put that on a t-shirt, Yeah. You know? <laughs> 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 oh, man. Yeah. Um, mm. So I got a couple more random random side tangents that I definitely yeah, want to cool. take us down. Um, but bef- before we jump on that, um, I'd be interested to get like, you know, now that you're kind of removed from, um, I don't want to say being married to, because I never felt that way, but like you're with a brand that does not p- produce footwear. Is there anything that you're, you know, over the next year or so that gets you really excited from a footwear perspective and you know, just speaking strictly to, to like, the shoes themselves.
1: Yeah. I mean I'll, I'll call out the brands if I'm allowed to. Don't we'll see why not. Um, we're
0: we're friends with all
1: of them, you know. <laughs> I, I I've, I'm a, I'm an ultra runner and a trail mm-hmm. runner. I'm, I'm also a, a marathoner, not a very great marathoner, but I'm a marathoner. Mm-hmm. Um I love what Norda is doing.
2: Okay. Yeah, yeah.
1: I, I love the application of of Dyneema and DCF mm-hmm. composite those composite fabrics on footwear. I know it's expensive, but that shoe will last 10 times as long as your other shoes. And it's not 10 times the price. Mm -hmm. They, they can make less shoes Mm -hmm. they can put less stuff in the world. And that's, that's, I think that's a really lofty goal. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just, I'm a fan. Sure. I I love that application of Dyneema. Um, just from my outdoor industry background, my outdoor world background, I think Mm -hmm. it's really interesting and intriguing. Um, and I love the over, I've always loved the over cushioned shoes
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I, I love the trend. I love the way that the trend is going right now mm-hmm. to, to high cushioning. Um, my everyday go-to trainer is still the invincible.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I still love it, but yeah. I've, you know, I've, I've, I've tried a six and I've tried new balance and all the over cushioned shoes. I love them all. Yeah. They all feel very, very good to me. Mm-hmm. Very comfortable. It's what people should be running in, in the first place. Yeah, It's not that we make it sometimes we make it too complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like the way the industry is moving away from this giant fabrication of stability mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and how important that is. Yeah, and I've never seen it as important. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like the way that I like that transition away from that. I feel like that's more of a selling tactic mm-hmm. than it is like backed up by real science. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like that as well. Um, and then, like everybody else, I'm a fan of all the super shoes.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we, so we fun. like to go fast. We like to go so fast. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Think
1: everyone, I think fast is for everyone.
0: Sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, it, it's that's all one relative. Of the things, it's all a
1: relative term. Yeah, that's exactly and, yeah, right. Yeah, like, yeah. And as a coach, that's the one thing that I would change about your running. Mm-hmm. When you come to me and you want to random friends, like my girlfriend wanted to train for a 10K. Mm-hmm. And she said, Well, you were at Mary Training Plan. And I said, Yes. Once a day, you're going to run fast. Mm-hmm. they would literally they'd never done it in her entire life. Sure. Once a day, we're going to go to the track. We're going to go to the Michael Johnson track down the street. We're going to run mm. repeat fours, repeat eights. Yeah, because you know what's fun? Running fast fastest.
2: Right, right,
0: right, right. <laughs>
1: you know, yeah.
0: Um, so that's a it's a great transition. So, um, you know, kind of as if you didn't have enough going on. Um, you know, <laughs> you had alluded to it earlier, but you uh, you're also a uh, cross country coach, right, at uh, Lincoln High School. And, um, go cards, go cards.
1: Um, <laughs> Big my... shout out, Eric Eric Detman, high school girls cross country coach of the year in Oregon. Oh wow,
0: that's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was going to say my impression is that they're, you know, top public school, right? I think you had kind of said that at some point. Um, um, yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So what? Uh, what's like coaching and balancing that kind of professional? You know, work like for you is it kind of like an outlet is
1: it you know how do you approach that well one i wasn't a coach this past year mm-hmm. um i i was hiking on the pct the whole the whole basically the whole cross country season
0: okay um which we'll get into that's we, my next we can, note we can for talk it, about yeah. that
1: <laughs> uh, i coached i coached at lincoln high school for nine years previous to that um and i don't think there was a reason i mean if i had a I didn't intentionally do it for like as a charity Mm -hmm. or to give back or to keep me sharp. I didn't do any of that. I just, I genuinely really liked hanging out with Mm -hmm. high school kids. Mm -hmm. They keep you young. Mm -hmm. You stay in tune to what the coolest music is. Right, right, right. If you don't like, four crazy high school freshman girls in your car controlling your radio. Right, We're not friends. Right, We're not friends. Like, that's, right. that's fun to me. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I, I love singing those songs, and I, I love going out for runs. And if nothing else, they keep you honest. Sure. Right? They'll they'll keep you honest in your training runs. Mm-hmm. If you have to run six miles a day with a, a 17-year-old high school male, you better be ready. Right. You better be fit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you <laughs> better be moderately fit to keep up with them, at least on their training runs. So, like there was the aspect of like, I loved the accountability and the consistency and the training. Mm-hmm. And then it was just, I loved the energy that high school kids bring. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the coaching staff at Lincoln is literally, it's, I mean, there are some of the best people I've ever met in my entire life mm-hmm. and best friends to this day. Yeah. You know? So yeah, um, when I, when I walked on to the, to the course 10 years ago, I walked onto the track to volunteer because my son was going mm-hmm. into his freshman year in high school. And within 10 minutes, Eric Detman walked on the track to volunteer as well.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, two guys volunteering mm-hmm. on the exact same day within 10 minutes of each other. The staff at the time was an all-female staff.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it didn't take them but maybe half an hour to be like, as a matter of fact, you – can we work out our transition plans? You guys can have the keys, you know, (laughs) because they had done it for 20 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, And they they were were... kind of looking for that, that quality type replacement. So yeah, Mm -hmm. for a couple of years, we, I was a volunteer, we were assistants, Mm blah, blah, blah. And then Eric eventually became the head coach. Eric Detman for the record is, um, twin two in the long green line.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So if
1: you ever watch the high school cross country documentary, the long Mm -hmm. green line from, you know, with coach Joe Newton, Mm Mm-hmm. Eric and Matt Detman are twin one and twin two. Matt Detman runs the uh, the junior program for mm-hmm. the Lincoln High School, and Eric runs the high school program okay. for Lincoln. So he runs the feeder program when we feed it in. Mm-hmm. And on, on day one, I vividly remember Eric saying to me, "Right now, Lincoln High School is like not even the best public school in the state. And within ten years, we're taking a team to NXN."
2: Sure. Yeah, yeah. He was a kid. Yeah.
1: I mean, he was. I mean, he was. 15, 20 years younger than me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I like your style. Right. right, right. <laughs> I like where your head's at brother. Yeah. It was, it was, it was nine years later. We took our girls team to NXN. Yeah. And this last year I wasn't coaching. The girls won NXR. That's wild. And yeah. Boys, they, they build an entire culture uh, that just uh, an expectation
2: mm-hmm. that you yeah. are
1: going to be great. Mm-hmm. And they did it through a feeder program as young as like sixth and seventh grade. Mm-hmm. And it's a very inclusive, welcoming I and mean, if you know anything about wildwood running and what, and what Marie and Robin are doing with wildwood running and, and, mm. and girls specifically in running is mm. an amazing, amazing program that they're running. And that's mm. literally based out of Portland, Oregon, Lincoln, Lincoln High School and Central Catholic. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so just, just a very inclusive, welcoming school and like very high performing and mm-hmm. all based on the back of what Eric and Marie have created, mm-hmm. you know, so, and I like to say that I'm the best chocolate milk carrier in the world. Right, right. <laughs> I can set up that 10 by 10 faster right. than anyone. Right, right, right. You know?
0: collect those sweats and, pretty quick. And
1: yeah, oh, yeah. I, I, I totally can. And I can lead the high school varsity girls through their 800 workouts all day. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, no small task. No small task. <laughs> um, so yeah, you had mentioned it. Um, so completely different tangent. Um, you know, last summer. You know, you had hiked the entire Pacific Crest Trail, right? Um, so you know, for those that don't know, you know, I'll kind of let you walk through what that is and yeah, you know, what that experience <laughs> was like. Man, I saw the highlight video and everything. That was it looked <laughs> unbelievable.
1: When I when I moved out west from Miami to Oregon, I became fascinated with the American West, mm-hmm. like all of those stories. You grow up on the East Coast. And you learn about hurricanes and alligators Mm -hmm. and the Everglades. You get west of the Rockies and I didn't know anything about like Mormons, Mm -hmm. salmon, Mm -hmm. the Oregon Trail, right? Yeah. National parks. Like it just wasn't in my world. So I became super fascinated with it. And it was then that I learned ten years ago that there's a there's a hiking trail, a piece of single track trail that starts in Mexico. Mm Mm-hmm. And walks the entire crest of the Sierra it goes through the mountains or it goes through two deserts in Southern Mm -hmm. California it goes over the crest of the Sierra mountain range then it falls into Oregon Washington and walks the entire cascade range Mm -hmm. and it ends in Canada so you walk the entire length of of America Mm -hmm. from Mexico to Canada it's 2,650 miles and the minute I heard about it just like that hundred-mile race I said Oh, I'm doing that one. Yeah,
2: yeah,
1: yeah. I'm definitely doing that one day. So, you know, um, leaving Nike gave me an entire an entire year to basically not work. Mm -hmm. Right? Didn't didn't really have any big things on my plan, and I realized Mm -hmm. this is my time. Sure. And I registered pretty quickly. Got my permit. Got my gear together, and uh, started on May twelfth this Mm -hmm. summer from a little border town called Campo outside mm-hmm. of San Diego you actually touched the border wall uh-huh. um which by the way is a real thing I was like wow yeah um, I, I
2: was
0: went offended. to just standing there I was yeah, standing yeah, yeah like, it's,
1: it's, it's yeah. big and mean and, <laughs> <rusty> and like <laughs> yeah
0: I went to San Diego this um like this past fall for the first time and I was running around there a little bit and there was like you know you get to this end of the beach and it's just like a guard with like in a In a turret with like a gun, I'm like, uh, I should not be around
1: here right now. I guess, but but
0: yeah, it's pretty wild.
1: Yeah, Um, it's you. You start right there and you you walk through the deserts, Mm -hmm. Um, and that right there. I mean, I say that like it's nothing. Right, right, seven hundred miles. Right, (laughs) it's seven hundred miles of desert. Yeah, yeah, that is wild. (laughs) Yeah, Um, it was also a very special year. The the snowpack. In, mm. in the mountain, in the California mountains, spe- specific, specifically in this Sierra, was the highest it's ever been in recorded history.
0: Oh my, okay.
1: Yep. So usually you walk into this Sierra as, as a PCT hiker, and you know, there's, there's a couple thousand people that get the permit every year and actually mm. make a go at it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they give out 5,000 permits a year. Okay. And the permit is from the PCTA, the Pacific Crest Trail Association, and what that permit allows you to do is it allows you to walk through, it's one permit, all six national parks, all four Native American uh, owned lands, mm, all of the mm-hmm. BLM land, and then I think there's probably like fifteen or sixteen like actual state parks. Okay. And this one permit allowed you to do all of that. They give out about five thousand permits a year mm-hmm. to to hikers that are going to hike, try to hike the entire thing, and you know two or three thousand of them finish. Um, this year the Sierra Mountain Range was just completely socked in with snow. Mm. I walked in on in June. Or yeah, I walked in in June, and I uh, lived on snow for thirty days. Hmm. Lived, I mean, Antarctica. Yeah, a warm Antarctica. Right, still, right, right, right. Like, <laughs> yeah, like you hike on snow, you walk on snow. I brought snowshoes. Yeah, you you camp on snow. Everything for the entire thirty days. There is no trail. Mm-hmm. You cannot see a trail. You're self navigating. You're hiking over fourteen thousand foot passes with an ice axe and crampons in your hand, and like you haven't seen a person for six days, Oh, right? Yeah. And it was, it was, and I knew that was the adventure that I was in for. Mm -hmm. And to be fair, I've got some of those skills. I've, I've, I've acquired some of those skills Mm -hmm. in the past 10 years living in Oregon and and doing some of the outdoor activities Mm -hmm. that I do. So I was, I was definitely ready for it and excited for it. Um, but I think all of us that did it said it was a little more than we bit off a little more than we can chew this Mm -hmm. year. 72 people did it Mm -hmm. total. Oh, wow. Yeah, end, yeah. Wow. As opposed to the thousands that usually do it. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Over 90% of the people just didn't go. Yeah. They got to the Sierra Mountain Range and they stuck their thumb out and they hitchhiked yeah. to Oregon. Mm. And then they walked Oregon and Washington.
2: Okay.
1: And they're like, no, I don't want that smoke. Sure. you got, yeah, yeah. You got to be kidding me, right? Mm. So there were only about 70, 70 something of us that actually did it um, in that Sierra class of 2023. Like, we all know each other by name.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh,
1: that's so, wild. That is so it, crazy. It really was the adventure of a lifetime, um, and I would just tell anyone that's interested in, in long distance hiking, just to grab a backpack and do it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's amazing to be out there. It's there's a little bit of a, a of a hobo lifestyle to it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you can't pack for two thousand six hundred and fifty miles, sure. so at some point, you have to you have to walk into a town and walk into your local grocery store and stack up your bag and then get back on the trail and keep on walking. So like there's a little bit of a hobo lifestyle to it of not washing your clothes for days at a time Mm -hmm. and going without showers and eating cold food and just, but the, the positive aspect of it, the solitude Mm -hmm. that you, that you get to experience um, and the sights that you get to see Mm -hmm. it's absolutely incredible. I'm pretty sure that I stood in places that nobody stood. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That that's a crazy thing to say.
0: That's a very yeah, yeah.
1: existential you know, kind of. Yeah. say Nobody, because there were Native Americans hundreds of years, thousands of years before we were sure. here. Yeah. Yeah. Probably named the land that I was right, standing right, on. Right, but yes. Right. But but um, no one in modern times. Sure. You know, no, has actually been in some of those places. It was pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's wild, you know. man. Yeah. Um, all right. I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I know, uh, yeah. know you got a very busy schedule, but um. Before we let you go, uh, there is one question that uh, we ask all of our guests and a little bit of a curveball question. Did not, uh, I did
1: not do my research. I don't okay. know what this question is. It's all
0: good. It's all good. I, I don't think you'll have that much trouble with it. Um, so if you had the opportunity to name a running shoe after yourself, what would it be and why? Pooh.
1: Um, if I got the opportunity to name well you're the product, product line manager <laughs> yeah I'm the product line manager I get to name it kind of whatever I want <laughs> um, I think I would name it Barker Barker ba- uh, Bob Barker is the legendary race director of that 100 mile race mm. in the keys that I ran he's also like a 15 time uh, Badwater mm. finisher okay um, but he was very influential in allowing me to run that race. It was four months before sign up, sure. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, he was taking a big risk even letting someone like me in sure. the race. Um, and I don't think he would even know my first name if he saw me. Mm-hmm. But he's one of the most inspirational people I've ever met, and it was just that was the start of my running career. And I'd probably named him after Bob Barker,
0: yeah that's awesome yeah. Yeah. So I think that's a, a, a great place to stop for the uh, for the yeah. afternoon um, you know but Scott before uh, before we, we part ways here, I definitely want to you know thank you you know for your time and um, you know you're very gracious to come on and, and chat with us for an hour and um, again man I'm super stoked to you know uh have you back in uh in a you know with a brand that we work with and yeah you know to be working together again so i'm, I'm really excited right. to, I, I, to be th- thank you f-
1: for thank you for talking and for caring about these things i mean yeah. it, in our world small independent businesses matter mm-hmm. support your local bookshop mm-hmm. go to your local coffee shop buy shoes from your local running store it, it's important It give you a sense of culture it gives you it gives you community it brings back to your local economy it's, it's unbelievably important these days so like i know you're thanking me mm-hmm. for selling you hats but that's right, not right. the way it works like i'm thanking you for existing and sure. giving your thank life you. for for the state of New Jersey and like all the people that surround you like it's mm-hmm. it's really important and the more of that we can get in this world the better we're going to be
0: yeah thank you so, i appreciate that cool so awesome scott well um you know, we'll definitely we'll, we'll catch up. and We'll talk uh, more shoes and more hats at some point soon. Yeah, it'd be super rad. Yeah. All right, brother. We'll talk soon. All right. Talk soon. Bye. righty, guys. I hope you enjoyed that chat just as much as I did. I wanted to thank Scott again for giving up some of his time to sit and chat with us. And before we sign off, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to share it with friends and family. And let's keep the momentum rolling. Until next Tuesday, this has been another episode of What's Inside the Box, presented by Runner's High. Thanks, y'all, and we'll catch up with you next week.